guys, that's why I call it blueprints rather than blueprint. Um, because it's really about looking at the fact that it's important for us to build and to plan our life on God, on the Word of God. We've got to build our life on that rock that does not move. And we know that His name is Jesus, and we know that the Word of God is great, and the principles of God. But I wanted to gather some different thoughts together, bring it together as an overall message today to encourage us to look at some things and some principles to help to set our year up. You know, dreams and visions... Uh, and, and starting the year, getting in position to receive vision, having clarity around what are we dreaming about for this year, but also what is this year set up for the coming years ahead. Uh, Prophet Greg has got a great revelation and insight that 2015 and 2016 have a very strong connection. And the good news is if the 2015 stuff wasn't that fun, well, like linking to Prophet Julie's word, you've been uh, set up for uh, a set, uh, you know, you, you, the setback is setting you up for good things in 2016. Thank you, Pastor Sarah. I almost did the opposite there and said the wrong thing. So um, when it comes to blueprints this morning, I wanted to actually start, first of all, with this thought around the six essentials to, li- to the life of wisdom. I just want to talk about where does dreams and visions fit into this whole understanding about having planning and preparation for your life based on the Bible, based on the instruction from the Word of God. First of all, God wants us to have ministry or spiritual dreams. He wants us to have dreams and goals to do with building His kingdom and participating in building His church. And these dreams relate to spiritual giftings and also callings and also how we serve Him and how we help others is importantly connected to those dreams and visions. God also wants us to cultivate our own natural dreams. So He gives us spiritual dreams that are related to ministry, our purpose in the kingdom, our purpose in our expression of faith and servanthood in the local church. But also He wants to give us natural dreams uh, for our family life, for our careers, for our work, for our finances, for our education, for our development. And so the book of Proverbs in the Bible has been called the book of applied wisdom. What I like about saying applied wisdom is wisdom really isn't just knowing stuff or knowing what to do. It's applying it. That's actually what turns it into wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is one of my personal favorite books of the Bible just because I like how direct it is at times. I like actually how convicting it is. And a lot of the fruit in my own personal life has come by meditating on the book of Proverbs and putting those things into place in my life. Uh, It contains common sense guidance regarding various areas of daily life, including relationships, your married life, your working life, how you handle money. It also contrasts or compares the difference between wise people versus foolish ones. It actually highlights as a benchmark what's the difference. But particularly, I want you to hone in, and I'd like you to make a note of this in your notes because I want to encourage you, even over the time that you do the seeking of the Lord that we're going to do as a church, I want you to write down Proverbs 13 for me. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 13. Because as you read that particular chapter, it describes what, what the Bible says, the body of wisdom. So it kind of breaks wisdom down into different categories. Can I get everyone to say categories? And the first category, let's just write down these, these categories, and then I want to hone in today on one of them. The first category is to do with the heart. So write down the word heart, and it really encourages us, don't be proud. So write down, don't be proud. So it's talking about the condition of the heart, and wisdom says, don't be proud, and to monitor a level of pride in your life. The second principle to do with the body of wisdom is to do with the ears. So if everyone write down the word ears, and the book of Proverbs, and particularly in chapter 13, instructs us to listen to correction, to listen to correction. The third one has got to do with the mouth. So if everyone can write down the word mouth, and it instructs us to control and to monitor and to keep guard of the words that we speak. So that's to do with the mouth. <clears throat> the, the fourth one has got to do with the feet. So again, if you're taking notes, write down the word feet. And the book of Proverbs encourages us to guard our path. Where do we go? Who do we hang around? What do we spend our time doing? Um, are we allowing the Lord to direct our paths or are we striving in our, own, in our own flesh? Our feet. The second last one or the fifth one is our hands. So write down the word hands. 
And the book of Proverbs challenges us and instructs us and guides us to work hard, to have a good, strong work ethic, not to be foolish by being and choosing to have an attitude of laziness, but to work hard, to put our hands uh, to the plow, because that's how God blesses us through the ability of how we respond and we have a good work ethic. So they're the first five. The, the, the sixth one and the last one that I want to hone in on today is got to do with our imagination. And this is about our ability to dream, our ability to establish vision, and our ability to set goals and to actually see before, uh, to have foresight about what God actually wants to bring into reality in our life in a particular season, to have foresight of that before it's even manifested. And the book of Proverbs says that this actually is a part of wisdom, that having dreams, seeking vision, seeking the Lord for a download from heaven to get clarity and insight, foresight into what is it that He wants to do, what is He that He wants you to do, what is He calling us to focus on, where is He calling us to go in a particular season, that for us to seek vision, to have dreams from heaven, to actually establish goals that are inspired by heaven, that the book of Proverbs says that actually is a sign that you are being wise and not being foolish. And so... I want to start now by going to this next thought, now that we've set that up, that, hey, being someone who has dreams, who seeks vision, who seeks the Lord, who establishes goals, particularly at the beginning of a season, that is wisdom, says the Lord. That is being wise. And so let's reverse engineer that. If we were to do the opposite, if we weren't to seek the Lord, if we weren't to establish fresh vision, if we weren't to imagine and get some foresight about and discernment about what is it that God is wanting to do in this season prior to it unfolding, then that would be a sign that we're being foolish and lazy and not putting in some spiritual principles principles that would set us up, amen, from Prophet Julie's word, uh, into a, a good year and linking it to Prophet Greg's word, learning from the things of 2015 that God has done in order to establish us and to set us up further and stronger in 2016. So let's now talk about the importance of dreaming and having imagination. And it's important to have vision for today and also for tomorrow. Because the God that we worship is a God that knows all things. He knows right up until the end of days. He knows what happened on the very the beginning of time. And He's beyond time. He actually is the Alpha and the Omega. He's beyond time. And because of that, that's why we seek Him. So He can actually give us a blueprint of what is it that He wants to, the creator of the universe, what is it that He wants to have established in this minute season on planet Earth for our little life as an individual uh, that he's created. How cool is it that God, who is so big and amazing, actually cares about releasing blueprints and vision and goals and instruction and guidance into your life to help you to prosper. How cool is that? And so I want to do a little bit of teaching about vision for today and tomorrow. Now, when we look at the Bible in the Old Testament, there's a story of Jericho, fantastic story. And Jericho was a fortified city. It was uh, surrounded by walls that were built uh, to prevent uh, people from being able to enter the city and therefore to take dominion of it and to take over that territory. Uh, There were two walls that that surrounded the entire city. The outer wall was six feet thick and the inner wall was 12 feet thick. And as far as mere man was concerned, the walls were um, impregnable. You couldn't actually get through them. But with God... Who knows that all things are possible? And so, as in the story, we see that these walls fell flat before the children of Israel, before the children of of God. They fell flat in front of them through the power of God. And because of a response of the people of God, when God actually gave them foresight, insight, that He was actually going to do this, to position them to take the territory that was within those walls of Jericho. And every man that was inside of those walls, which represented the enemy to the people of God. Every man went straight 
into capture because every person of God went straight in after the walls fell to conquer the inhabitants of that territory. Who knows that God is wanting you to conquer some territory in 2016? Who knows that God is wanting you to push down some walls of resistance, even some limitations that have held you back, that God is wanting to, with you, help you to break through those things so you can enter a new place of authority and dominion in 2016? Who knows that that's true? And so the same principle applies that what will position you to be able to actually do that and to step into that is he first, everyone say first, he first will want to actually give you the instruction, give you the vision, give you the dream, give you the foresight, give you the prompting of that happening before it actually happens. Because that way you can prepare with the Lord, you can partner, you can pray, you can do practical things that will help you to shift from that place of restriction and limitation into that place of breakthrough. And so how was it that Israel experienced such victory? The other question is, how is it that you can experience such victory in this new season? Well, it begins only as it could have and should have with a God-given vision and dream. And so the Bible says in Joshua, I want you to write this verse down for me, the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse 2. Book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse 2. God said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. What I love about that scripture is the very first word is see. See. There we go. It's up on the screen. Thank you, AV team. See. Everyone say see. See. I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. The word see comes from the Hebrew word raw or, raw or, raw or. I'll say it again just so you catch it. Raw or. As in like, oh, that's raw or. And it means to envision something, to see far beyond the physical realm of present reality, to see something as it can and will be. Now, I'll tell you something about my personal life. The Lord's been on my case about my fitness for years and uh, months. Kind of comes and goes. I think he kind of just goes, okay, he's not listening. So I'll take a break. And get his attention some other way. You know, I, I actually said to the Lord the other day, I'm really sorry, God. I kind of ignored you a bit on this one. I know you were talking to me. Because God talks to us in different ways. Right? We're all prophetic. We can hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, most of the time, if you actually get aside, God will remind you of the things he's been talking about that you've actually deliberately been choosing to ignore. You know those little promptings? And you get, eh, right? And so <clears throat> what's interesting is, is that the Lord has been speaking to me quite a bit about, you know, getting some things together. Now, what's interesting was, I said to God, what am I doing wrong, Lord? I'm doing something wrong. Because God, in the past, I, I know how to be disciplined. God, I know that, uh, you know, when you give me some instruction and insight into things, I know that if I apply it, I'm fruitful with it. What am I doing wrong? Because I knew there's been something in here and in here that was stopping me from doing. Not an excuse, but I was taking responsibility. I'm thinking, God, I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing? This is what he said to me. You haven't got a vision for what I want to do with your fitness. You haven't seen in the spirit realm what Brad Power is going to look like when he actually obeys and steps out and does it. You haven't seen what Brad Power is going to feel like. He's going to have more energy. He's going to have an ability to think more clearly. He's going to be able to actually press more into me. The Lord said to me, you do not have a fresh vision about what the outcome will look like, which will actually motivate you and encourage you and break through that mental block and that restriction that's been stopping you from actually stepping out and doing what I'm asking you to do. So I said, okay, God, what do I have to do? He said, right, pray and ask me to actually show you. And so I started praying and I said, Lord, show me what's Brad Power going to look like. Now, this is accountability because I'm letting you know about this because, and this is good, right? The Lord asked me to share this this morning. He said, now, if you share this, you can't go back, right? <laughs> They're all going to be onto your case like, you can't eat that cream bun, rah, 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 okay? So this is good. This is upping and amplifying my accountability right now by sharing this with you. Okay, so please continue to pray for me, all right? But <clears throat> this is what the Lord said to me. He said, pray. So I prayed and I said, God, show me the vision. And I saw a vision of me playing with Zara, right? And I was fit and trim and I had energy and I was able to play a lot longer, right? And I think, oh, my back's a bit sore, right? I had vision, of Sarah and I being out 
having dinner together and I saw a vision of me not having three chins. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I like the idea of not having three chins, right? Now, again, the main thing is sometimes in different seasons of your life, the, the reason why God wants you to do something, that there'll be a, a godly motivation that will be different, different, different seasons. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I was in my mid-20s trying to woo the woman of my dreams, it was probably more about, you know, how, how, how good I looked. But now, because, you know, and this is what the Lord said to me, well, you've, you've won the woman of your dreams, so you need to actually modify the motivation. Let me give it to you. So he started to talk to me about the, he's, he's now linking my values to his values. And he said, you know what, you've got a calling to help people, but you need to be on planet earth longer than uh, what you may be if you continue with these bad habits. And he actually showed me signs of me being a grandfather, showed me visions of being a grandfather. He showed me visions of being a great-grandfather. He showed me visions of us traveling with not only our kids, but also our grandkids and ministering. Amen. Who thinks that's exciting? So the Lord actually started to show me foresight about the future, which connected the why do I want you to do this, Brad? Why should you do this, Brad? Why should you not wait until June this year and have all these lame excuses? Why do you have to do it now? Because you know what? This is hard. This is tough, okay? But because I got a vision from God and it got into my spirit, it kind of really grabbed a hold of me. And finally, just in this last week, I'm more pumped than I've ever been about health and fitness for the last, what, 10 years of our marriage, right? And Sarah even said to me, went out to dinner the other night and I was talking, sharing the revelation, the vision, the goals, the dreams that God had given me. And she was just sitting there going, oh, this is good. This is God. This is great. She didn't, that, I slightly exaggerated for, you know, your entertainment there. She didn't quite react like that. Um, <laughs> but she kind of did. She, yeah, she did. <laughs> so it's important that you get vision from God. And so Joshua knew what it meant to have a vision of future things. Because God said, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. He and Caleb were two of 12 spies sent in to spy out the promised land some 40 years before the, the, the Jericho vision. And he was one of the spies that came back with a positive insight that even though there were giants and enemies in the land, that they could actually take that land and they could take the people into the promised land. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So I want to transition from this point, which is, you need to get vision and dreams and fresh vision and dreams and fresh insight. Can I, ask, can I get you to write this down for me? Part of the thing that the Holy Spirit wants to unpack when he releases a download from heaven to you is he doesn't want to just show you what, but he also wants to show you why. Can everyone say this? He wants to show me why. Let's say that again. He wants to show me why. I want you to say this. It's not just about the what, but it's about the why. Because that will help you to grab a hold of what it is because it will require discipline and hard work to get through into that place of promise. But if you know beyond the what and you understand the why, it will be a stronger revelation and vision for you to grab a hold of to give a, a reason to say, well, I'm going to cast off this thing. I'm going to say no to this thing. Without a vision... And the word vision means a progressive revelation, meaning a fresh revelation. It's progressive. It's not a revelation you had back in, you know, 2003. It's a fresh revelation. It's just come out of the heavenly baked vision oven. It's fresh. It's, it's, it's got flavor to it. But it's important for you to understand the why. All right. Let's now move on to this next point about <clears throat> clarifying your uh, purpose and understanding that when you imagine and you, you dream and you envisage what's going to happen, it helps you to clarify your purpose for that season. Let me ask you this question. Is your life guided by clear purpose? Sometimes it can be guided by clear purpose and other times it can be guided by confusion. Because I find a lot of times if we're not actually, you know, putting some things aside, then we can feel confused. And you know what? It happens to the best of us. It happens to everyone. And so I want to get us to think a little bit about some of the, these things around searching for purpose. <clears throat> purpose is not found in doing something different. Sometimes I see people in the new year 
And they think a great thing about getting a blueprint or a goal or vision for you is always just to start something new, just doing something new. But the problem is if you look at the history of their life, they're always starting something new, but they're not good at finishing things. So be careful that you don't think that clarifying your purpose is always about something new. The new, you know, for some of you, God's going to lead you to study a new course. But be mindful that if you're going to study a new course, have you finished the other seven that you started after the last 10 years or just another new thing you're going to go to going, oh, I think I need some fresh purpose. Oh, look, there's a new course. Let's do that. Okay. So it's important to understand purpose is not always found in doing something different. What you are doing right now holds purpose. Where you're working right now holds purpose. What you're doing with your family life right now holds purpose. So be careful not to fall into that default reaction that oh, to get some clarity in your purpose is just to go and start a new thing. Maybe to clarify your purpose, you need to persevere and finish the thing that you started in 2015 or the thing that God downloaded in 2015, but you actually didn't get onto. For me, that's a big one, which was fitness. Even at the beginning of last year, he was like, get onto it. And it took me a whole year to actually get onto it. Purpose is not about some future point in time. Oh, okay, well, you know, it's all about what's going to happen in 2018. And so sometimes we have to have the end in mind, but it's important to understand that every day holds purpose for us, that we actually have to link our purpose to actually sometimes the mundane things, okay? Uh, If you're a parent with a young child and you've got sleep deprivation, there's purpose in that, in the sleep deprivation, in that you are raising your child, you're raising up the next generation, and uh, you've, got to kind of, you've got to keep that at the front of your mind, at the front of your heart. You know, there are times where sometimes we can lose sight of the meaning of something because it becomes mundane. But the Holy Spirit is interested in the mundane, everyday life stuff because it's in that grind sometimes that He makes you and He molds you and He sets you up. But sometimes we find ourselves in seasons that seem perplexing sometimes dissatisfying, sometimes even difficult. If we bring purpose into whatever we find ourselves doing, we will learn valuable lessons for the future. But I just want to read this scripture in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And so we can only see a certain distance ahead, what may seem like a very ordinary path sometimes, what may seem like a very ordinary season sometimes, may eventually, everyone say eventually, may eventually be the catalyst that leads us into a great outcome if we stay on track. So I want to encourage you that wisdom says when you get a blueprint for your life, it doesn't mean that everything has to be sparkling with glitter exciting for the great events that's going to happen in 2016. We know we want to have some exciting things happen. You want to work towards things. But you've got to establish and cement and connect purpose to your everyday life. All the things that you're doing every day, the daily habits, that when you get up, what are the choices that you make before you go to work? Are you investing some time spending with the Lord? You know, Have you got the right balance in in Investing in building your career or your work life, but also spending good quality time with your family. Can I tell you, we've got uh, an exciting guest speaker from the U.S. coming, Apostle Kathleen um or Kathy Tollison, and she is an ordained minister through CI. She's also an entrepreneur. She actually uh, leads one of the, the most popular, or I think the key one in the U.S. She actually uh, owns a business and founded a business that manufactures uh, motorbikes for females. And uh, so she's going to uh, come. Greg and Julie are going to bring her out uh, to Australia, and she's going to speak. Uh, at a, we're going to hold a conference here uh, the last uh, uh, day of March the 31st through to uh, April 2. And she's written a book. What's the book called again, honey? Staying Fresh. And Greg and Julie have just given us a copy because they read it and they were really blessed by it. It's an incredible book. Can I tell you that that conference, you want to be here for it because uh, this, uh, this woman of God, she carries a revelation that I think is timely right now for this hour. And that's what Greg and Julie believe as well. And that is having good balance that if you're called like we all are in the body of Christ to give out to our life to help others, you've got to make sure that you don't sacrifice the, the, the inner treasures of family life, your marriage, all those things that 
that your marriage and your family life should not be on the altar because you're actually overly or too ambitious or putting too much identity in the things that you're doing publicly, whether it's actually giving out and ministering in church or community, whatever it is. Who, who believes that it's important to have that balance? And so she's written this book called Staying Fresh, and she's going to minister about how we can actually be empowered by the Holy Spirit to keep giving out, to being great people of God who are, who are building the church, who are building the kingdom of God, who are actually ministering to other people, but we've got the right balance. So I think that's important in our everyday life, you know, having and finding purpose. Some practical keys. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know what, I'd like a little bit of a download about, you know, how can I go to God and get some insight or some revelation about clarifying some purpose, about who am I, what am I called to do, uh, what am I good at, what is it, where is it that God wants to direct me so I can take that at a macro level and I can help it to influence my everyday, sometimes Monday routine life. Um, to give it purpose. So some practical keys. Write this down. What do I love? Which is what we call the passion key. What do I love? Sometimes if you're lacking purpose, it's like, well, what do you love doing? What are you passionate about? And actually, is part of your purpose connected to, to your passion? Because if your purpose, or maybe sometimes your lack of understanding of your purpose, it's because maybe you're not uh, doing anything around what you actually love. Uh, I've actually done some career counseling with accountants who've been accountants in, into their late 40s. And you sit them down and you say, so what, you know, wh- why the change now? And they sit down and they say, well, you know what? We've finally realized that I um, don't actually like what I'm doing at all. I hate it. I'm only doing it because mum and dad encouraged me to study that unit. I've been doing that for years. Right? Um, make sure that you connect what you're doing and what, with, with passion. The next one is, what am I good at? What are my gifts? So people who clarify their purpose, their life, and their daily life, not just the big events. Like I know I love watching Greg and Julian, how they manage their life. They're great examples, great leaders of this, is that as prophetic ministers, they know that even though there are exciting conferences and events and you know the Holy Spirit gets to move and they get to prophesy over people and there's great worship and great music and it's all exciting, that actually the purpose of their life is not just attached to those things. More importantly, it's attached to the daily habits of seeking the Lord, having great relationship with the Lord, making sure that they've got those purposes refreshed in their life, having a great marriage, having a great family life, all of their private world connected to the purposes of God and then they know that the fruit of their private life then reflects in their ministry and brings glory to God when they're publicly leading people. Can I hear an amen to that? And so it's important to not just understand your passion, but what is your gifting? I think partly the reason why they're so fruitful is because very early on, the Lord said to them, your gifting is, uh, is the prophetic. And even though the gifting hadn't been completely refined yet, they just obeyed the Lord and said, okay, well, we're going to pour all of our time and energy into refining this gift, and we're going to attach that gift to our purpose. And look where they are today. So these principles, if you're lacking clarity about who am I and what am I supposed to do, a part of this blueprint for the start of the year is what are you? passionate about what are you good at and how are you wired what's your personality okay again going back to the accountant example i've had had some accountants who are so bored because they're actually naturally people orientated people and they're stuck in a career where they're just crunching numbers in a room locked away by themselves and wondering why they're not satisfied so it's about understanding, let the Holy Spirit talk to you about He's wired you. He's given you a, a personality for a reason. He's given you passions. He's given you giftings for a reason. Let's talk about um, when we look at purpose and we connect it to, to, back to the dreams, that there's actually a really important thing about getting an understanding that there's different stages to a dream manifesting. And I think that this teaching that I want to release here can actually really help people to get clarity around why sometimes getting a dream can be very frustrating. And particularly if it doesn't manifest or, or, or appear the way that you're expecting. But let's have a look at the example of Jacob. Jacob received a life-changing dream from God that to- totally altered the way that he saw himself. And if you want to write this scripture reference down, I'm not going to go into the depths of it, but write down Genesis chapter 37. That's where you read about the dream of Jacob. Genesis chapter 37. But from then on, after this dream, he faced one challenge after another. So he had a very clear dream 
uh, about what God was going to, to do with him and that he was going to be a leader and he's going to actually lead and um, be overseer and he was going to actually be more prominent than his brothers and his family and this type of thing. But eventually his dream <clears throat> came true, but the challenges that he faced, he was thrown into the pit by his brothers, uh, he was sold as a slave, he was later wrongly accused and imprisoned and left to languish there for years. But then eventually his dream came true and he had an amazing turnaround. So I want you to write down this, if you take notes, three stages to a dream. This is interesting revelation, three stages of a dream. The first stage is a promise given, a promise given. And when you get a promise or when you, when you get a dream, when you get a vision, when you get an insight into what God wants to do, it will release faith. Who thinks it's exciting to get a dream or to get a vision or to have a new goal? Okay, so two of us are putting our hands up. Who else thinks it's exciting maybe? Okay, good. It's designed to give you faith. It's designed to, to energize you. It's, ex- it, it's kind of designed to kind of be like a fresh new battery in, in you as an energizer bunny. It's like, yeah, like look at Jacob's reaction in Genesis. He's like, you know, and probably his excitement led to his lack of wisdom. He started mouthing off and bragging to everyone. You know, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be over you guys and rah, 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 all these types of things. <coughs> but when it comes to... Um, a promise given, stage one. The second stage, though, is interesting. It's a promise delayed. Write that down, a promise delayed. This is where the trial of our faith comes. This is a season of testing. A promise delayed. The third stage, write this down for me, is a promise fulfilled. And this is the realization of the dream. But what's interesting is the stage that we'd like to skip. A stage that we'd like to avoid, a stage that we'd like to fast forward through is which stage? The second stage, right? Right? All the setbacks. But interestingly, it's a stage that a lot of times we have to go through. So we'd all like to avoid stage two and rush straight into phase three. But it's in these times of testing that our character gets developed the most. Did you know that for Joseph, the period of testing, which is covered in just a few pages in the Bible, he's stage two. Lasted for 13 years. You're probably sitting, oh, Brad, I don't want to hear that. Don't you telling me if I seek the Lord next week during seek and he gives me a dream and it excites me and I get all inspired, then I'm going to have to have a testing stage that's going to last me 13 years through to 2029. <laughs> well, if that's what you're going to preach to me, ah. No, I'm not necessarily saying uh, that every single dream has a phase two of 13 years. But wisdom would say we need to understand that there's always going to be a test. There's always going to be a test. And that test, interesting, faith comes by hearing the word of God. A lot of people think that faith comes through tests. Well, your faith is challenged through tests and your faith can be strengthened by tests, but it's actually patience that gets developed because the tests and trials, and the patience locks in the faith and helps you to persevere, which strengthens the faith. Patience. Right now, we're praying for more patience to develop in Zara. Unfortunately, she's inherited my lack of patience. Sarah is probably the most patient human being I've ever met in my life. Praise God she married me. Because <laughs> I needed a woman who was patient to marry me. To successfully, I think, be married to me forever. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, it's, not, it's important for me to just go, oh, well, she's patient, so I'll just, you know, do what I want. I've got to work on me too. Amen. Um, but Zara, I think, has kind of more naturally inherited my, a little bit more of my wiring when it comes to the lack of patience. So we're going to believe God to build that in her and she you know she's a beautiful girl but we're going to see the lord develop the patience over time amen everyone say amen to that let's decree that now cool but what i I, don't get me wrong i love the fact because she's she's like a little natural bold leader she's like right i'll do this and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this i'm like you go girl that's my girl whoo um and so uh, when you think about 13 years for Joseph, so stage two is where we meet difficulties, where we can lose heart and even give up, which can lead us to becoming cynical and bitter. 
Even just look at last year. I mean, we went from, what was it? Even, no, in 2014, we went from Paddington to Queens Road location. So from the heart of Brisbane City to the, pretty much the heart of Logan. And then we were told that we could be there for a year. That got shortchanged because the building got sold a lot sooner than what it was planned to have been. Then we had to find a location temporarily. So we had to go to Fitzy's for two months. And then we were going to go into a building in Underwood. And that all went pear-shaped because of circumstances outside of our control. But thank goodness that that went pear-shaped because in hindsight, this is far better for our church. Uh, and, you know, that whole season behind, uh, you know, closed doors, so to speak, you know, it was a testing time for us as a leadership team. I mean, we had to keep praying. We were frustrated. We were impatient. We we're like, ah, right? There's nothing worse than not being able, and, and you, you cast the vision. You're like, okay, we're going to go to a new building. And then the new building up until the week before kind of falls away. And you think, what are you doing, God? Seriously. We just told the people you're supposed to be, you know, what, what, what is going on here? What have we done, you know? And he's just like, I got it. Can I just say, thank God we've got apostles Greg and Julie, because they're so seasoned in this stuff. So when Sarah and I go, ah, this just happened, they go, you know what? It's cool. It's going to be okay. God's in control. Let's just pray for you. I tell you, it's really good because it's like, oh, okay. So let's just, uh, let's just honor Greg and Julie here this morning. <laughs> it's going to be all right. I know it feels like you're freaking out right now, and that's okay. But the Lord's there with you. Why are you freaking out? <laughs> and so there's stages that... You know, you have to, wisdom says, understand this is part of the process because it's the making of you. See, if, you're, if God gives you a dream that you're called to carry, and you hear, this is one of my favorite sayings, that the character within you has to be in a place to sustain you where God's taking you. That when God releases you to a dream like the walls of Jericho, God wanted to take the people from a place of limitation, a place of, of, of setback, and he wanted to break them into a place where there was a greater levels of dominion and authority. But once they take that territory, that's part of it. But then they have to actually make sure that they sustain their position so that God can continue to move and then build upon that. And the biggest catalyst that helps you to sustain and actually to hold on to the territory and the influence and the dominion and the authority and the fruitfulness that God releases to you when you've been faithful for a season is your character. A lot of times people think charisma is the key to breaking through or your gifts or how amazing you are at a certain thing. But it really is your inner private world that God knows in stage two of the dream, he has to use certain uh, processes and we call it God's process. Uh, sometimes it, it means things that you know, take longer in our timing, but God's timing is perfect. Because through God's timing, it perfects more of the things on the inside of us, which establishes us so that when we get to stage three. So if you think about Joseph, if he had had this dream, and then one year in, he'd become like the second most powerful man in the land, he would not have been able to sustain that position. His lack of character, his bragging, big mouth, pridefulness would have kind of got him to uh, recognize relationships. He wouldn't have been able to manage the situations. He wouldn't have been able to manage the stress. He, wouldn't, he would have shot off with the mouth. He would have been like a bull in a china shop and he would have created havoc all around him. He would have actually ended up being an example of a disaster and a lack of faithfulness. And who knows that just the taste of a goal or a dream is nowhere near as fulfilling if you then have to experience the consequence of then having such a great fall because your character wasn't positioned to sustain the breakthrough that God released to you. So that's why stage two of the dream is so important because God wants to protect you from falling. He wants to protect you from falling. And sometimes, you know, we've got to be wary because of stage two, we can get cynical, we can get bitter, we can feel the, the effects of deferred hope. Our comforts and props may seem to get stripped away during phase two. The Lord even said this to me, I'll show you. He said, I'm looking for your obedience, Brad. And if you're obedient with the fitness thing, because I think God knows a whole, whole more thing. I think fitness is a real key for me. 
in terms of my ability to do things that God has for me later on. Huge key for me in my capacity. And I th- the Lord said to me, be obedient. And if you're obedient, the Lord said, watch and wait and see what I will do. So I believe sometimes the obedience to the things that God's asking us to do is not just about breaking through into that, but it's then actually bringing breakthrough into other areas of our life as well. Being obedient. And sometimes, you know, that word obedience isn't the most comfortable word to swallow, but it's good for us. It's good medicine. Our comforts and props may seem to get stripped away just as Joseph's brightly colored robe, a sign of his father's great love and approval, was stripped from him in stage two. That mantle, that sense of, well, I've arrived and look at the destiny that I'm going to have. And obviously I'm the one because I've been chosen and God's given me this dream. And hey, little brothers, oh, I'm going to you know, be on top of you. And oh, It's like, not that all got stripped away. He had to go through a, a place of humbling. <clears throat> so his brightly colored robe got through. It can, it can seem harder for us to sense God's presence in these times as well. It's like, where are you, God? Yet God is with us just as much in stage two as in any other stage. Faith is about staying strong in all three phases of a dream. It takes faith to see beyond our current circumstances and tap into God's vision for our lives. We need to find God's perspective. None of these testing times were in Joseph's original dream. Because if they were, the dream wouldn't have been very exciting. Phase one wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have energized him. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be good. As if he'd seen the whole thing, he'd be like, really? I have to go through that? Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Sometimes the Lord won't show us exactly the price that we're going to have to pay in whole up front because sometimes if he showed us, maybe we wouldn't be willing to go for the dream. Come on now. Sometimes stage two, he has to bit by bit actually walk us through the price that we have to pay, which actually makes us the person that we have to be in order to break through and enjoy the breakthrough of stage three. But Joseph, he responded to the huge setbacks. He responded to the setbacks and he held on to God's promise through every trial. Sort of talk a little bit as I finish couple of points on when it comes to blueprints and getting goals and getting dreams and getting visions for your life. A couple of principles around having balance. Um, And I want to throw this question out. Are you living for the right things? Making sure your dreams and your goals are aligned to godly values and to kingdom priorities. Are we going after the right dream? Are we putting our efforts into things that will take us to the place of greatest fulfillment? Do I know what God's plans and dreams are for me? Is it possible to be following the wrong dreams? Dreams that will ultimately lead to disappointment. For example, we've talked about some things to do. I think wisdom also teaches us and highlights what are some things not to do. For example, let's talk about sometimes there can be purely selfish dreams that can cause us to pursue good things, but in wrong ways. We're literally, we're so adamant that that's for us, that we'll walk over people. We'll push, push people aside. We'll break down relationships just to get what we want. And so, yes, God would give us um, an energy and a motivation and a determination to go for things, but making sure that it's not purely selfish in motive. Dreams that are only focused on material things. Okay. Now, as a church, we teach it's okay to have nice things. That's okay. But if all of your goals are all just about material things, well, that's not healthy. That's not godly. Short-sighted dreams, only concerned with instant gratification, is not a good thing. I actually do a teaching on work ethic, and I talk about the importance of not being lazy, but what are the other principles about good work ethic, which we know is one of those six worldly, uh, sorry, wisdom principles. Another example of good work ethic, or principle of good work, work, work ethic, is not to get caught up into the how to get rich quick scheme, right? 
There are great businesses that are all different types of models of business, but good business people will teach you. It's perseverance, it's step-by-step, or when it comes to work and how you build things, how you build a family, how you build anything that's godly and fruitful long-term. It will usually require perseverance, persistence, daily habits, all of those types of things. And so be careful that your dreams are not wrapped up into this just absolute focus of instant gratification. Because God knows and godly dreams will always have a testing, a persevering, where you feel like just going, I'm over this, I want to give it up. And he's concerned and interested in how you respond in that moment. You may be tempted to give something up. You may be tempted to kind of just throw in the towel because it's not coming as instantly as you wanted. But God will be concerned, how do you respond in that moment? Because that will be a test. Dreams that ignore, the, that ignore the eternal consequences. We are building for eternity. We need an outlook that acknowledges the eternal nature of what we do with our lives. That's important. Non-relational dreams, ignoring the effect our lives have on other people. So if your dreams, pursuing a dream means that, you know, you just want to burn people. Because you just, I want to win. I want to get that dream. I want to get that goal. I'm just focused. Get out of my way. You're too close. Get out. <laughs> right? Pushing people aside relationally. Offending people to the point where you just don't care how you're treating people, how you're speaking to people. Is not healthy. To have the right dreams, dreams that God can bless, we need to submit our lives, including our plans and dreams, to Him as part of the process of becoming a true disciple of Christ. There's no way around it. Discipleship will cost us. If we value the new life that He's blessed us with, we will do whatever He requires of us to live accordingly. In Matthew 6.33, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Am I seeking God for His dreams for my life and living a life of daily discipleship? That's a great question to ask. I'm just going to ask Pastor Jace to come. Just to expand on that, If you're writing down notes, write down this for me. First things first. First things first. Again, just reading some thoughts here. All of us feel torn by goals and dreams we have and by the demands and responsibilities placed on us at times. Many people today could and do feel disorientated or confused about what the most important thing in life is. Is it earning a living to support my family? Is it making smart financial investments to provide for me and my family's future? Is it pursuing academia and studying a particular course? How about getting to the gym to put my fitness first? Or doing more activities with my kids? All of these things are valid pursuits. But what should take the highest priority? Jesus puts this simple in Matthew 6.33. So I'm going to read this. Matthew 6.33. I read it before, I'm going to read it again. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Let's even simplify that. Seek Jesus. He is the King of kings. Jesus is everything that will anchor you to seeking the kingdom. He's the one that reconciled you back to the Father. He's the one that will link you to the Father's heart. He's the one that will help you like the Master Shepherd to partner with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will help your spiritual ear and your spiritual eye to open to heaven and to download like you've got like amazing spiritual umbilical cord just connected, just feeding from heaven spiritually. Seek Jesus. And his righteousness. What do we mean by his righteousness? It says, seek, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness means that he 
is the lamb that was slain. He is without blemish. He is perfect. He is whole. He is without sin. He has victory over sin and death. When we seek Jesus, we seek the kingdom. We seek his righteousness. Jesus is the only reason why we are now right before the Father. Because of Christ, because of his blood, because of what he's done, because of who he is, when we seek him and we seek his righteousness, we are right before God. So when we're in relationship with Jesus, when we declare afresh every day that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then we are right before God. And everything else flows from that. Everything else, the way that you interact with your children, the ability to understand and discern how much time should you spend with your children today, the way that you interact with your wife or husband, your loved ones, your family, the way that you set yourself into the workplace, the way that you study, the way that you do things, the way that you relate with people, the way that you manage your finances, the way that you lead your life, the way that you love other people, everything, every other part of your life, every other category, every other goal, all of your dreams, all of your vision will unfold when it's connected and anchored to the King of Kings. You know what? God is good because when when you spend time with Him, He brings such a wholeness to your mind and to your heart. Because sometimes we're pursuing things from a place of fear. Sometimes we're worried that if we just don't do that quick enough that we might miss out. Sometimes we can go into a new year thinking I should be further along than I am. And all these little things, because we're not whole, we can fall into the trap of starting to actually be led by fear and the spirit of fear and not by faith. When you come into a time with Jesus and you seek him, he's so good. He's like the master mechanic and he fine tunes your heart and he fine tunes your mind and he makes sure that if there's been fear that's been trying to operate your engine, he retwigs things to make sure that he realigns you to faith because by faith, you know that God's timing is perfect. By faith, you know that you don't have to strive via fear, that you just keep focusing on God. Let's think about this. There are thousands of examples of people where the world would say they are highly successful. Celebrities, fame, fortune. And yet most of them have a private world that's not of victory, that's not of peace. You know, it's interesting watching really, 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 really successful, wealthy people that are, who are worldly, who don't know Christ. And they're like an example of what the world would say, oh, this is success. When you sit them down and you watch them interacting with other really, really wealthy, worldly people who don't know Christ, and you hear them talking with each other, it doesn't matter how many cars they have in the garage or how many mansions they have, they're all usually still competing against each other. They still feel like they don't have enough because the other person in their network group of things has got the latest car. And even though they've got nine in their garage, they now need to get the latest car to keep up with the Joneses because their identity is being put in place in all of these things that the world says is about being successful. Can I say this to you? Do not underestimate how important, how valuable it is this year to just seek Jesus. Because he will establish a strength and a stability and a peace on the inside of you. I hear the Lord even saying this morning that he's breaking off a spirit of comparison. And he's breaking off a temptation to be competitive. And he's releasing more stability and peace as we seek him in this hour. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And I thank you, Lord, 
that you're establishing us as a people with blueprints, with wisdom, with plans, with downloads from heaven. Lord, as we come to seek you in this month of January, Lord, when we put some distractions aside, and Lord, other things that would help us to escape aside. And Lord, when as we dive deep, and we dig deep, and we press into you, Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word promises that as we seek you, God, as we seek you, Jesus, as we seek your kingdom, when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, these other things, will be given to us as well. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a stability and a strengthening. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you're releasing through your word this morning. Father, that where people call to, Lord, carry dreams and vision and plans and blueprints and to have insight and discernment for the year ahead in this season. And we thank you, Lord, that that's going to excite us. It's going to energize us. It's going to motivate us. It's going to get us going. But, Lord, we thank you, Father, that our trust is in you and not the dream itself. Because, Lord, because of you, Father, we're going to go through trials and tests and times where we're going to hang on, where we're going to see disappointment or frustration, where things don't go to plan or work out in our time. Father, in those stages, we're going to hang on and we're going to persevere and then we're going to develop patience and character, Lord. And that's going to develop, Lord, an ability for us to be sustained in that place. And we thank you, Lord, also, though, for a stage three. But, Lord, that you're teaching us, Lord, to continue to persevere so we will see the breakthrough and we'll see, Lord, us being able to break down those walls like in Jericho, Father, Lord, and to enter into those new places of territory. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, right now that you're releasing dreams and you're releasing vision in this hour right now and you're releasing blueprints from heaven. Father, I thank you, Lord. Open up our ears prophetically, Lord. Lord, and our eyes to see in the spiritual realm. But, Father, we seek you, Jesus. We seek your Son. We seek your kingdom right now. And we thank you, Lord, that as we do, Lord, that you're going to recalibrate. Lord, you're going to realign. Lord, you're going to be the great mechanic and you're going to fine tune us and you're going to position us and establish us and set us in place, Father, Lord, for the year ahead. And I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to the very end. And Lord, we can put our trust in you. And because of that, we can put our trust in your principles. We can put our trust in your word. And as we step out and we do these things, Lord, we thank you, Father. Lord, you're the great protector. Lord, you will protect us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit is like wings, like eagles, that you're a great coverer and you will cover us. Lord, because it says that love covers a multitude of sin. And even when we might have a setback and we may have a stumble here, but Father, we thank you, Lord, like the great Father that you are. Lord, you will not let us fall to a place where we'll be defeated for too long. But Lord, you'll you'll reach out your hand and Lord, you'll ask us, Lord, Lord, to grab a hold of your hand because our trust is in you and you'll pull us up from that place of setback or disappointment or frustration. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, it's within that relationship with you that if we keep seeking you and we keep trusting you and we're putting our faith in you, I thank you, Lord, that the things of the world that sometimes are attractive, I thank you, Father, they're going to grow dim. And I thank you, Lord, that your presence and your word and even the conviction, Lord, to seek you is going to become stronger in this hour. And I thank you, Lord, because of that, Lord, your faithfulness is going to create a pathway of fruitfulness for our people, oh God. And I thank you, Lord, for this house. And I thank you, Lord, that you're releasing and continuing to release right now in this season. Lord, a generational blessing. Lord, and it's strategies and tactics and schemes and principles from your word. Lord, to raise up your people. Lord, to raise up this people, Lord. A people, oh God. And I thank you for families right now that you're establishing and you're strengthening families in this house. And I thank you for marriages right now, Lord, that you're uh, being able to release, Lord, marriages into a greater place of victory. And I thank you, Lord, for children, Lord, are strengthening in their identity in you. And I thank you, Lord, that families will be worshiping together and praying together and seeking the Lord together. And I hear the Lord saying that He's releasing blueprints for family strength and family stability in this hour. And I hear the Lord saying, even if you're sitting here and you'd be concerned about your marriage and you can be concerned about your family, I hear the Lord say, I am so for your family, but just lean into me in this time and to seek me in this hour. And the Lord says, I will release new strategies. I'm going to release new blueprints that will enable you to 
bring you through those walls of restriction into a place of greater territory and dominion for your families because I'm fortifying families in this hour. I'm fortifying families in 2016. I am fortifying families in the name of Jesus. We declare, Lord, in this hour right now, release vision for families to be strengthened and fortified in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that when families are strengthened, Lord, when we release prayer and worship and seeking you under our own private roof, that, Father, Lord, that's the start of even strengthening the spiritual family here. Lord, I thank you for community. And I thank you, Lord, that you're continuing to do a great work among our people. And Lord, we just praise you for how faithful you are. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's just stand and give God a clap offering here this morning. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Awesome God. Awesome God.